Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Exodus chapter 25. How many of you have enjoyed our Tabernacle series? Has it been a blessing to you? I hope so. We had another great service on Wednesday night. And uh, I thoroughly enjoy this. I can see the connection between both the Old and New Testament. Exodus 25, and we're going to read three verses. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take of them, gold and silver and brass, and then he continues to list many other things. Periodically, God will ask of us an offering. And today I wanna preach and teach to you on this subject. How do my sacrifices smell? How do my sacrifices smell? God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. The altar of incense was a foot and a half by a foot and a half by three feet tall. We've tried to give you what we believe is a sample of the altar of incense, which was in the holy place, the covered area, not the holy of holies, but the holy place. It was meant to give a smell to God because, like us, God is attracted by smell. And he is repulsed by smell. And so today, what I'm gonna talk to you about is the smell of our sacrifices. I'd like to thank the ladies that have brought in incense. I'm sure you have smelled something different in the house of God today. I know that Robin Meyer and and Angela and Sister Kylie and others have put this together for us to create a sweet smell. The real smell that God is interested in is our praise and our prayers. They are attractive to him. But he asked for a sacrifice, and I want to read, continue to read in Exodus chapter 35. And this begins with verse number 20. All the congregation of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for his service and for the holy garments. We're talking about the building of the tabernacle. Did you know that $40 million was just the gold amount that was involved in the tabernacle? The actual altar of incense was made out of wood, but it was covered with gold. Wood represents humanity, gold represents divinity. 
That's why gold is so much more valuable than anything else on earth. Now, I, I have so much material today that I can't possibly preach all of the points. So I'm just hoping that if you get it, you can say amen every once in a while so that I can keep moving. All right? So the wood represents humanity and the gold represents divinity. And, and $40 million just in gold was put into the tabernacle in the wilderness. If we go down to verse number 22, listen to the descriptive terms that are given concerning the sacrifices of the children of Israel. And they came, both men and women, as many as were a willing heart. There's that heart again. And they brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets and jewels of gold and every man that offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skins of rams and badger skins, they brought them. And everyone that did offer an offering of silver and brass brought the Lord's offering. And every man with whom was found shittim wood for any work of the service, he brought it. And all the women that were wise-hearted, there's the word heart again, wise-hearted, did spin with their hands and brought they which had been spun of blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. And, And all the women whose heart stirred them up in wisdom spun goat's hair. And the rulers, the wealthy people, They brought the onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate. And they brought spice for the oil of light and for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and every woman whose heart made them willing to bring all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. What a generous people the children of Israel were when it came to the house of God. In Exodus 36 and 5, they were so generous, it says that Moses spake to the people saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave a command and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, Let neither a man or a woman make any more for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. And watch this. The stuff. Isn't it unique that they called it stuff? The stuff that was had was sufficient for all the word work to make it. And too much. Too much. Here's my point. All that Israel had was all that God needed. They didn't have to go and borrow anything. They just took of the stuff that they had. And God knew how much stuff they had. How many of you have stuff? I have stuff. I eat till I'm stuffed. We really have more than we could want. We are a stuffed people. And when God asks for stuff, we should give it with a willing 
heart, a willing heart. So what kind of smells attract God? What is God looking for? In Exodus chapter 30, and verse number 34, this is what the Lord told Moses concerning what God wanted to smell. I'm probably going to mispronounce these spices, but you would too. Take unto these spices, stacti, anye, and galabon, these sweet spices with pure frankincense of each shall there be like weight. In other words, they shall all be equal in substance. Did you get that? Somebody say amen. amen. The spices, the sweet ointment will all be equal. Not more of this and less of that. Okay, you got it. Equal weight. They shall make a perfume, a confection, after the work of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And you will beat some of it very small and put it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation, where I will meet with thee, and it shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume, get this now, as for the perfume which you will make, you shall not make it to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. And whosoever shall make like unto it and smell thereto, even he shall be cut off from his people. I'm giving you the formula for what pleases me. And you give it only to me. You are not allowed to make it and distribute it amongst yourselves as cologne or perfume or any such like. It's mine. I invented it. I asked for it. You gave it to me, but it stays in my house. It doesn't leave my house and go to your house. I'm so glad today that Lambeau Field isn't the only people, place where people are worshiping today. That God can smell something from 995 South Sawyer Road that pleases him and brings his presence here because it's what he asked for. It's what he asked for. God has a formula and that formula is meant to please God and not men. That's the only conclusion you can come to from these verses of scripture. I pray that I leave this pulpit today pleasing God even if I can't please every one of you. Now smells can create a mood. They can create an atmosphere. How many of you smelled something different when you came in today? Before prayer and praise, did you smell something different? Was it pleasing to you? How many of you can remember Thanksgivings of time past? Ooh, a good turkey. Pumpkin and apple pie. Mashed potatoes. Green casserole. I'm making you hungry? I can't wait for Thanksgiving. You know, the real problem is we eat too late. All day long, we got to smell that stuff. 
and we're in there cutting off a little piece and getting yelled at by our wife. Leave that alone. Wait for dinner. But we smell it, and it smells so good, and we're, we're so excited about it. That perfume that your wife wears, if you like it, you need to tell her. If you don't, you need to tell her too. <laughs> that cologne that she bought you for Christmas, she expects you to wear it because it's pleasing to her. Smells create an atmosphere. Stink does too. I haven't met too many people that have a pet skunk. We don't like the stink. Matter of fact, we don't even like to be around people that stink. People that don't know anything about hygiene. You might try brushing your teeth, taking a shower, washing your clothes. These things are all available to most of us. You might try a mint after church too before you pray with somebody. I know I do. I'm, I try to be conscientious about it. I hate it when people got bad breath and they're in your face. Don't you? It stinks. I'm not listening to what you're saying. I'm just waiting for you to back up or for me to have a chance to get away from you. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Sometimes you've got to tell somebody they got bad breath. It's not easy. But none of us like stink. Amen? Amen? But we all like a good smell. Now I want to talk to you about the smell of three kings. The smell of three kings. The first king Israel had was, was King Saul. And Saul decided that he had a better idea than God did. God said, I want you to genocide the Amalekites, men, women, children, animals, everything, genocide. Wipe them out. But Saul said, I got a better idea. Rather than using our lambs and our animals to sacrifice, let's bring their animals and we'll sacrifice them. He didn't do what God specifically asked him to do. He didn't follow the formula, formula of the apothecary. In this case, the apothecary was Samuel. He told him exactly what God wanted, what would please God. But Saul said, no, I think I'll do it this way. So listen to what Samuel said to Saul. 1 Samuel 15, 22, does the Lord have as great a delight in burnt offerings and in sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken to what God says than the fat of rams. And rebellion, he came out and called it rebellion. He said it's rebellion and the rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and your stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Is anybody hearing a bad smell here? And because you have rejected what God told you to do, he has rejected you from being king. Saul, you stink. You stink. And you're no longer king. Wow, just one mistake. 
Just one tweak to the formula caused a stink that caused God to say, you're not king anymore. Or how about the second king? How about David? David made the mistake, and I hope you don't make the mistake. He numbered his people. How many are there in Israel, and how many men do I have to go to war with? And Well, what will that cause in your life, David, if you knew that? It would cause pride. I've stopped counting. Let God keep score, folks. You do what you can do for the kingdom of God and you do what God asks you to do the first time he asks you and you you follow the formula specifically and, and you'll be all right. But if you get into the numbers game, you're gonna get into trouble. And God said, because you did this, David, I'm gonna give you a choice of one of three judgments that I will bring against the entire nation. And when that plague came, Israel suffered greatly. And finally, David, after the period of time that God said they would be punished, David said, I will now go and offer a sacrifice. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, Araunu the king, another king, said, wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, I came to you because I want to buy your threshing floor and build an altar unto the Lord that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Araunu said to David, let my Lord the king take and offer up what seems good unto him. Behold, here be the oxen for the burnt sacrifice and the threshing instruments and other instruments of the oxen for the wood. And all these things did Araunu as a king give unto the king. And Araunu said unto the king, the Lord thy God accept thee. And the king, meaning David, said to Aranu, No, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offering unto the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor. He bought it and he never used it again. And he bought the oxen and he gave 50 shekels of silver And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and he offered peace offerings and the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel because God smelled a good sacrifice. No, I'm not just gonna use this threshing floor around you. I'm gonna buy it. No, I'm not gonna take your oxen and offer it in place of mine. No, uh, I'm even gonna pay for the instruments that I'm gonna use. So he buys an ox, he uses instruments one time, he buys a threshing floor, and he never uses them again because he's not going to offer God that which cost him nothing. And he's not gonna take somebody else's sacrifice and go under the guise of it being his own. Every man's got to pay his own way. Every person's got to make their own sacrifice. 
And when God smelled this attitude from David, he said, that is enough. And he stopped the plague. What does God smell during my sacrifices? What is the incense that comes from my life? Or how about David's son, Solomon? What kind of smell did he offer unto God? Second Chronicles chapter 7. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. All this was done for the temple, the house of God. Can you imagine the number of animals that I've just told you about? What it would look like to see all of them gathered and to have to kill them all and drain the blood and burn them. So if you go down to verse 12, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I smell a good smell. I've heard your prayer. I've chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. The house of God, I hope you get this, the house of God is also a house of sacrifice. It is a house of sacrifice. And he said, because I smell this, if I shut up heaven, there will be no rain, or if I command the locust to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, if they'll create that kind of a smell, if they'll give this formula that I've asked of them, I will hear from heaven. I'll smell it. I'll hear it. I'll see it. I'll forgive their sin. I'll heal their land. I'll lift the plagues. I'll take them away because of what I smell. What kind of a smell have we created for God? What kind of a smell? He went on to say, and my eyes, they'll be open. My ears, they'll be attent unto the smell the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name will be there forever and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. He sees, he hears, and he is emotionally attached to his people because of the smell of their sacrifice. Instead of pride, they bring humility. Instead of seeking the world, they seek his face. God cannot deny these things. He responds to them in a favorable way. 
Smells good, Solomon. Now I'm going to make you some promises. So what are my sacrifices? What are the sacrifices that I make and how do my sacrifices smell? Well, Psalm 51 and 17 says that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you won't be able to reject the smell. It'll be so pleasing that it will please you. That's a sacrifice. Psalm 27 and 6. Now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies. Round about me, therefore, will I offer in this tabernacle sacrifices of joy. And I will sing you and I will sing praises unto the Lord. Prayer, praises, brokenness, humility, seeking the face of God, all causing a vapor to go up that God can't deny and that he is pleased to dwell not only with, but in. But in. But it's a sacrifice. You're not always going to come to the house of God after a rough day at work and feel like worshiping. You're not always going to wake up and and say, boy, I'm really glad that I got up early this morning and I get to go to church. Sometimes you're going to be tired. Sometimes you just got to push yourself, push your flesh to do the right thing. I know that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Flesh, you're going to worship today. I don't care how you feel. I know he's worthy of my worship. He's worthy of my praise. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to lift my hands. I might do a little jig, but I'm going to worship with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God said, I knew you were tired. I knew you had a rough day. I knew it was hard for you to even get to the house of God, but I smell your worship. I see your faith. I'm going to bless you with my presence. I'm going to supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. I'm going to open up the bank. I'm going to give you fullness of joy because you went and made a sacrifice. You made a sacrifice. How do my sacrifices smell? You know I'm going to bring up giving. I can't help it. That's, that's a part of being pleasing to God too. Tithing is systematic giving of the first fruits of what God has given you. Systematic. Do you know that people that tithe all give equally? We used to have a saying, equal, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. When a person tithes, whether they make 300 a week or 3,000 a week, they're giving equally in God's economy. Remember, don't get caught up in the numbers game. To whom much is given, to whom little is given, little is required. We're not all the same, but we can all make an equal sacrifice. Now, tithing belonged to the tribe of Levi. 
All of the males in the tribe of Levi became the priests. They're the ones that waited on the tabernacle in the wilderness. They're the ones that did all the work. And they were supported by the other 11 tribes. The tithing belonged to the tribe of Levi. But the offerings, those were not determined as a specific amount. It only came down to a willing heart issue and an appreciation attitude, a thanksgiving moment. Malachi 3 and 8 says, will a man rob God? Remember how he talked so good about them building the tabernacle in the wilderness? This is one of their, these times where they be, ceased to be faithful. And God got angry. He didn't like it. He said, it stinks. It stinks around here. And so he used the prophet Malachi and he said, tell him this, will a man rob God? And everybody would say, oh, no, no, you'd never rob God. Well, you've robbed me. You say, wherein have we robbed thee? You robbed me in tithes and offerings. You haven't been faithful. You haven't done what I've asked you to do. So you know what? Just as it was with David, you're cursed. For you've robbed me even this whole nation. Wow, that really stinks. But he gives them an opportunity, as he always does with all of us, to repent. And he reminds them of what is required in the formula. Can I get an amen? So he says, I'll say it again. I want you to bring all the tithes, not into your house, I want you to bring them into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. <clears throat> and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So I want you to take the tithe, the first 10% of your first fruits, and I want you to bring it to my house. Then I'll lift the curse. And then I'll bless you. See, the reason that we don't have more is because we haven't proved we can be faithful with, for, with what we have. We do not have a shortage of anything. God did not create an earth that could not feed six billion people. This earth is more than capable of feeding more than six billion people. We just have a distribution problem. We don't have a shortage. We have all that we need. I already talked about this in the beginning of the message. Israel had all that they needed. Fortunately, at that event, everybody had a willing heart. Do we still have a willing heart? Do we still create a proper smell? even in our giving. I believe it was a man and his wife that came to Peter one day and said, hey, we sold the land. We, we were at, I'm creating numbers now. We were asking for 5,000. 
we only got four. So here's the four. And God, for whatever reason, at that moment just gave a spirit of discernment to Peter and said, you're lying. And, you, and, and the land belonged to you, and now you've held back from God. And God struck him dead. And then struck her dead because she lied too. You don't want to lie and you don't want to rob God. Say, well, God didn't strike me dead. I'm still living and I'm still not doing what I should be doing. How are you doing spiritually? I've noticed that there's a connection between my heart and my wallet. And God, don't tell me that God's got your heart if he doesn't have your wallet. Can God pull rank on anything that he gives? What kind of a smell have I created? I am a, I am a blessed man. I have a house. And you know what? I didn't build that house. I didn't finance that house. I enjoy living in the house, so I pay for it. I have to be totally honest with you. After my tithes and offerings, my mortgage payment is number one on my list. Say, well, food ought to be number one on your list. Well, I don't like eating grass. And just stick around a little while, it's going to start getting cold. You're going to need a place to live. And that's going to be your number one priority. And, and in, I don't really own the house, the bank does, till I pay it off. And I get to live in there as long as I'm faithful to my mortgage payments. They will not accept my excuses at First Bank. Well, you know, I had a rough month and my tooth fell out, and cost me $500 to get it fixed, and so I can't make my mortgage payment. We don't want to hear that, Mr. Kiley. Show me the money. You fall behind on your payments too far, you won't have a house. I'm just talking where the rubber meets the road here. Is that all right? And you know, the mortgage isn't it either. I got taxes. I got maintenance. I've got to furnish that house and might even want to insure it. Who's paying for all that? My wife and I. Thanks to your generosity, you still give me a salary. I hope that exists after today, but if not, God will find another opportunity for me. Here's my point. God asked us to build this house the majority of the congregation said they wanted it. Now we are responsible for this house every bit as much as we are responsible for the house we are going to be in this afternoon. There is a mortgage payment. There are no taxes. There's maintenance. There's expense involved here. And it's not a part of your tithing. It comes from the offerings that you give. 
I'm just telling it like it is. You know, it, it strikes me as serious when God speaks in the last book of the Old Testament and, and tells them that they've robbed him, tells them what they need to do, apparently they didn't do it, and God says, if you're not listening, I'm not talking. And for 400 years, no prophets, no inspired word until the birth of Jesus Christ. I wanna hear from God. I wanna do what God is asking me to do. I wanna have a proper heart and a proper spirit and attitude in what God requires in the formula to bring a pleasing smell to God's nostrils. Exodus chapter 30. Now the tabernacle's up, everything's going good. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, when thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. When you number them, that there be no plague among them when thou numberest them. This they shall give. Everyone that passes among them shall be numbered half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 giras. And a half shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. And everyone that passes among them that are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. The rich will not give more, the poor shall not give less than half a shekel when they give an offering unto the Lord to make atonement for your, sho- for your souls. And thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for your souls. Josephus in his writings of Israel said, this was referred to the children of Israel as the temple tax. Temple tax. How many of you would like to know what a half a shekel is? Anybody wanna know? I'm not telling you. Because it is whatever God asks you to give. And he said, Two times in here, it was as an atonement for your souls. They weren't buying their salvation. They were being reminded of their salvation. And they were being reminded that God was their redeemer. And because he was their their redeemer, they were to give an offering unto the Lord out of the generosity of their heart and their attitude. So it comes down to what God do you want? What are you asking of me? A temple tax. Now, when I first came to know the Lord, I have to admit to you, I'm ashamed of it, but I was in tremendous financial difficulty. My wife and I, it was my fault. And when I first heard about giving, I remembered Sunday school as a Methodist boy. That means Daddy gives you a quarter, 
You take it to Sunday school, and when the, the teacher passes the basket, you put your quarter in. But it wasn't my quarter. It was my daddy's quarter and my mom's quarter. I don't know if my parents tithed. I know that they put whatever they put into an envelope and dropped it in the basket every Sunday morning when the Methodists took the offering. I wish I would have known when I was a child how to be responsible with money how to give to God what he asked and whatever he required. Because when you get older, you get more expenses and you begin to think that you can't afford to give what God is requiring of you. And you get in trouble financially. But I was taught when I came into a United Pentecostal church that I was to give of the first fruits of my life of my income. The math won't work. Again, don't get caught up in the numbers. Just do by faith what God asks you to do. This is what God told me one time when I was in desperate straits. You give what I get, what I ask, and you trust me for the rest. That was a principle that my wife and I learned, and we gave, and God blessed us. And he's still blessing us today. Is there anybody else he's blessed in the sanctuary today that has found this to be true? So what are the smells that are in my house? Now, some people have an outhouse. The smells of an outhouse are unforgiving, unyielding, unthankful ungiving, and the result, unhappy. But let me be positive. We can be happy if we give the right things. Generosity, faithfulness, forgiveness, ministry. You can be happy. I know Brother Dredska really believes in happiness, don't you? Just walk up to him sometime and say, how you doing? I guarantee you he'll say this. Oh, I'm happy. Happy, 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 happy. Don't you like being around people that are happy? Then be a kind person. Be a generous person. Do what God asks you to do. Bless his work, his house, his kingdom. The Spanish people, I learned this from Brother Mesa, have a saying My casa is su casa, which means my house is your house. That's what we say to God. Now that fits our bodies and it fits our homes. God, my casa is su casa. I want you to live in my house and in my house. But God, but God could say to us, su casa is my casa. My house is your house. This house, this isn't my house. This is God's house. And God is saying, my house is your responsibility and your blessing. 
And someday, you're going to get another house. Because in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. There is a time of rewards. And we don't get all of the rewards that maybe we think we're entitled to on earth. But God will not ignore the smells of a sweet, giving, generous person. My casa is su casa. So I conclude with this. Let me give you one of my favorite characters in Scripture. A man by the name of Cornelius. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 1 it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He was a devout, listen to the formula, folks. Here it is again. This is what God wants to smell. He was a devout man. He was one that feared God. And he taught his family, all of his house, the same. And he was a giver to the people. And he was a praying man. And he prayed to God always. Those were the things that caused an incense to come from a Gentile, not a Jew, a Gentile. How did he ever come to these conclusions? Through observation of Jews and now of Christians. And so even though he wasn't one himself, he said, I can see the blessing of God on these Christians and on these Jews. So I am going to emulate what I believe is the formula that will be pleasing to God. And he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and he said, what is it, Lord? And he said, your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. God has smelled you. And he is so pleased with you that he sent me, an angel, to tell you to go find Peter. Do you know what's happening here? The smell of earth went to heaven. And the God of heaven responded to earth. This ushered in the opportunity for the Gentiles to become Christians. Because one man, one man was devout, feared God, taught his family well, gave and prayed unto God. Salvation came from heaven to earth to Cornelius' house. You see, Cornelius wasn't saved. He was just doing what he knew to do. And that brought salvation. How did you get to where you are today? A lot of it has to do with your incense, what you've created at the, at the altar. Altar implies sacrifice. The altar of incense. Let's stand together. Revelations chapter five and verse number eight. When they'd taken the book, the four beasts and the four and 20 elders 
fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials of odors. And what are those odors? They are the prayers. Oh, I didn't think anything happened. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and nothing, it seems, ever happened. I want you to know this. God hears every single prayer that is ever offered up in faith. He sees every tear that is ever shed. What does he do with them, Brother Kylie? He puts the tears in bottles and he puts the prayers in golden vials. Some of them he answers on earth and others he answers in heaven. And they said, a new song. You're worthy to take the book, open the seals, for you were slain and redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred, Jews, Gentiles, tongue, people, nations. And you have made unto us kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Jesus, I pray today, when we come to this altar today, help us to come with the formula that we were aware of before we came or what we've learned today in the teaching and preaching of your word so that we can offer up to you a sweet-smelling savor. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.